Very important. Amen. So how many of you know God is good? All right? He is. We just, I think in our, in our chaotic world, a lot of times we lose sight of the fact that God is good. Amen? He is a good God. I mean, you look at what he's done to get us to where we are today. Uh, we got our shrubs in last week to go out front. Let me tell you something funny. Yesterday, I'm sitting in my bedroom studying and everybody's gone. I'm getting everything ready for today. And just something really strange catches my eye out in the backyard. And it's Tucker driving through my backyard. So I'm like, okay. And then I start to go out and then I look and I was like, no, that's just Tucker. There's no telling what he's doing. So I just let him go and it's no big deal. And I just continue on what I'm doing. But later on that evening, I come on out, I'm finished studying, and I come out, and Tucker and Cameron show up at the house, and they have a, 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 in the back of his truck is loaded down with tomato plants and vegetable plants and all this. Well, turns out, Tucker and Cameron come through, and they pull all the weeds out of Michelle's planter and all this. Then they go and buy these plants, and they come back, and they plant them all, and then they label them all, and then they water them all. So, I mean, that was good. God's good, right? Thank you, guys. That was awesome. I know they didn't do that for me. They did that for Miss Michelle, but that's all right. <laughs> but, you know, it was kind of strange to see him drive through my yard. I'm like, it's just Tucker. There's no telling what he's doing. <laughs> but God is good, you know. And, I, and you can just go on and on. I think all of us can talk about testimonies of how God's been good in your life. If you can, I hope, you, I hope you'll take the time to look back because he's been good in your life in some way or the other. So whether you're choosing to focus on the negative or the positive. Amen? But have you ever really thought about what it really means, all right, that God is so good? I mean, it's interesting. You know, we, we sing the songs, you know, and God is good all the time. God is good. Come on. Uh, you're a good, good father. Y'all didn't know I could sing, did you? I can't. But we say this, and we teach our kids in prayer, you know, God is good, God is great, let us thank him for our food. We do, all right? But then again, we go to, you know, like there was some crazy premiere of some goofy movie this week. I don't know, did some of you go to it? I think it was, uh, oh yeah, some Avengers War, you know, all that. I don't know, I don't get into the sci-fi stuff. But there was apparently a lot of people that do, and they did. But the one thing that I got out of it from my children was it was a good movie. It was a good movie. They said it over and over. It was a good movie. But we go to restaurants. We try the food. And we talk about how good the food was. All right? But when we're essentially, when we're saying that our food is good or the movie's good, is that, are we putting that in the same category as the goodness of God? Huh? I'm asking. It's okay. You can answer me. I don't think so. I think in reality, it's safe to say that we use the term good rather loosely in our English language, okay? This, we're going to go a little different today, and I want to talk about two main things today. And I want to talk to you about the fact that God is good, okay? I want you to understand that God is good, because listen, there is a lot of people that come to me with struggles and issues, and they're so focused on the chaos that's going on around them that they lose sight of that. And very dangerous to ever lose sight of that. And that's number two that I want to talk with you about today. What happens when people lose sight of the fact that God is good? Amen. So let's look at Psalms 119.68. And I love this. It's short and sweet and it's talking about God. And it says, you are good and you do good. I love that. I love that. You see, the first half of that verse focuses on the fact that God, by his nature, is good. Okay? He is good. He's morally excellent, 
All right, think about it. God is the original definition of good, okay? See, for us, for human beings, being good or or the quality of goodness, that's an add-on feature because our nature is not always good. Amen? Come on. I know you've been around some people, you're thinking they don't have that quality yet. All right, well, we're praying for them. But you see, for God, it comes naturally. It comes naturally. You see, he's not only the greatest of all beings, he's the best. He's the best. And listen, how do you see the true character of a person? You ever wondered that? How do you see it? Well, you see it by his actions, okay? You see it by his actions, and I think it's so cool. The second half of that verse talks about God's goodness, okay? It concentrates on what he does, all right? And the Bible is full. It's full of descriptions of his mercy, his kindness, his love, his generosity. Come on, it's everywhere if we choose to read it and choose to see it. Amen? You've got to understand that God loves you so much, and you've got to see the value in yourself, the value that he sees in you, and understand the fact is that he wants to give us always more than we deserve. All right? More than we deserve. So much more than we deserve. Not because we do anything special, but because of who you are. All right, because of who he created you to be, because he loves you. And listen, he sees your baggage. We all have baggage. We all have struggles. We all have issues. He sees that. But yet through all of that, he loves you, and he loves you so much that he wants to continue to be generous to you, continue to give you everything that you need to walk in the perfect will of God and the plan that he has for you. Amen. He's for you. He's got your back, okay? You've got to remember that. You've got to get, you remember that. But, and understand this. We have a very limited knowledge of God's goodness. And, and you have to understand the fact that in our world, our brains, all right, I know you think you're just, you're brilliant, and, and some of you are, and that's great and fantastic, but did you know that the human brain cannot grasp the full merit of what God is doing in this world. It can't. It cannot take it. If God was to put it on us, we couldn't take it. We could not take it. All right, so you got to understand that. So we have a limited knowledge of God's goodness. Some of that's by choice, all right? And but by, because we have that limited knowledge, we limit our thinking, okay? We limit our thinking. Very, very, not good, not good. I mean, think about it like this. Think, think about it. Last week, I think, uh, Miss Debbie, wasn't you that had the friends in Washington, D.C.? All right. They were up there. And uh, uh, two, was it two ladies, I think? Twelve of them were there. Well, anyway, they were up there for a conference, and there was a car accident. Some of you may have seen this on the news. But the car ended up on the sidewalk, ended up on top of some of them. And the bystanders literally came around and lifted the car up off of them. Now, they were injured. They did not die, though. They did not lose their life. So essentially, you could say in that, in that scenario, God was good, right? He was good. Or bring it a little closer to home. Jordan and Rebecca's not here. But Jordan's brother had a horrific accident. All right, sent me pictures. Looks like he rolled the car, went through a telephone pole. And, you know, we're praying while he's on the way to the ER and uh, in the ambulance. And they get him to the hospital, go through the CT scan and all the scans that they go through. Nothing wrong. Nothing wrong. It's just, it, it's a miracle. You look at the car and the situation, the man shouldn't be alive. But he was alive. So essentially, you can say, in that situation, was God good? 
Yes, he was good. He was good. All right, and he is good. This is what I want you to understand. He is good. But I'm going to throw a stick in the wheel. Why is God good? All right. What if they had lost their life in that situation? Does that mean God's not good anymore? No, absolutely not. See, this is where most people struggle. And I had the hardest time with this, I'll be honest with you. When I grew up, because I, don't, I never remembered a day where my mother wasn't sick from the day I remember her to the day she died. She was always sick. I can remember coming home. I had to be taught from the time I was in sixth grade to give her shot, emergency shots. So I never knew when I come home whether my mom would be laid out in the floor and I had to figure out how to do the needle and get it all in her arm and give, it, give her the shot. And I can remember coming home, door locked, door chained. I can't get in. I have to climb in through the window. I'm in sixth grade now. Climb in through the window. My mom's out on the floor. And I have to figure out what I'm doing. And I'm praying and hoping I'm doing this right. Well, you know what? I blamed God. I did. And I think this is one reason why I was so late to coming to Christ in my life. I was angry. I didn't understand. I was like, why would a good God allow this to happen? Amen. But I studied it out and I learned and I repented and I went back to God and I just, I just I begged for forgiveness. Amen. Because what we have to understand, and this is a sermon for another day, but I'm going to touch on it because it's very important. We have to understand that we live in a fallen world, okay? When Adam and Eve made the mistake, made the choice, better yet, they allowed sin, death, and destruction to come into this world, okay? And God up there, he didn't want to be a dictator that's controlling everybody like he's controlling Pac-Man with a joystick, showing my age there. But he didn't. He gave us what? He gave us free will to choose, Okay, by having free will to choose, you can choose right or wrong. And remember, any choice that you ever make, there are consequences. There are consequences. And though you're going to deal with those consequences. Sometimes God miraculously brings you out of them, but sometimes he stays with you while you deal with them because of choices that you make. All right? Now, when you make these choices, sometimes it affects people other than yourself. And you know what? Sometimes bad things happen to good people, and we don't have the answer for that. Amen? You have to have the realization. You have to come to the understanding of that. Amen? Because here's the thing. For as many stories as there are of people that survived horrific situations, there are people who lost their life in a horrific situation. All right? I mean, think about it. But isn't God good? Isn't he good, right? All right. We understand. God is good. All right? We live in a fallen world. And sometimes bad things happen, all right? And, you know, it sounds almost insensitive to say that, that God is good, but yet somebody loses their life. A good person loses their life. Amen. Listen, I mean, you think, I think about Mr. Joel, and some of you know him. He was uh, the Auburn Fellowship faithful member. He had a pain in his side, went to the doctor, and come to find out. And Joel was such a good man, such a good man. Joel was a, come to find out he was just, he was eat up with cancer. There was nothing they could do. Nothing they could do. And we prayed and prayed for a miracle. And he believed to the day he died that he would, he would survive it. But isn't God good? He is good. Yes, he is. You know, your flesh in a situation like that wants to say no, just like I did. He wants to blame God. All right? Wants to blame God. And they, listen, in your flesh wants to say, it doesn't make sense to draw attention to God's goodness when a good man or woman loses their life. 
Amen. But you've got to understand, God is good. We live in a fallen world, and sometimes bad things just happen, okay? But look at Psalm 46, all right? The psalmist says this, God is our refuge and strength and a present help in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. And I love this. Charles Spurgeon wrote this in his commentary on on Psalms 46, and it says, God is good, not because he causes things that seem or feel good to happen in our lives, but because in the midst of the storm, God comes closer to us than the storm can ever be to you. Amen. Now, that's awesome. And you see, that's why I can stand here and you can say with absolute confidence that God is good. He's with you. He's never going to leave you. He's always going to see you through it. Amen? From the start to the end. Even though you may make some crazy decisions, all right, that may put you in situations that you're just going to have to deal with, he's going to be with you as you go through these situations. Amen? But that's why you can say, no matter how much pain comes, no matter how much you have to endure, no matter how the outcome comes, even though it's different than you prayed. Amen? You have to come to the realization that God is good. All right? So stay with me. Stay with me. All right? Always remember that through every horrific situation, the people that die in... God's just as good to the people that die in car accidents as He is to the people who don't. All right? Because God is good. You have to understand that. Okay? But, let's look on the other hand. What happens when people have a tendency to lose sight of God's goodness? All right? You've got to remember that everything that you have is because of God's goodness. All right? But it does happen. People do lose sight of God's goodness because they get caught up in their struggles. They get caught up in their life. All right? In their situations. And this all goes back to why I talk about the importance of your relationship with Jesus Christ or your relationship with your Heavenly Father. You need to be communing with Him. You need to be talking with Him. God wants to be a part of your life. He wants to be a part of your life in every area. Listen, He knows what's going on in your life, but he wants, it's a two-way street. He wants you talking with Him. He wants you praying with Him, asking for things, asking for things for Him to, to, to provide for you. Amen? All right, in that cup, that means that you're going to have to do, take some action. You're going to have to do a little bit of work. But, now, what happens when people start to lose sight of the fact that God's good? I'm going to talk about four things today that people do, have a tendency to do. So, number one, the first thing that people have a tendency to do when they lose sight of the fact that God is good is they begin to claim credit for things that God did for them. Mm -hmm. They do. You ever been around somebody that all they do is talk about what they've accomplished, where they've been, what they've done? You know, I did this, and I designed this, and I did all of that. Look at Luke 12, verse 16. Jesus tells a story. It says, says, the farm of a certain rich man produced a terrific crop. He talked to himself. What can I do? My barn isn't big enough for the harvest. Then he said, here's what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And then I'll gather in all my grain and goods. And I'll say to myself, self, you've done well. You've got it made and now can retire. Take it easy and have the time of your life. But just then, God showed up and said, fool, tonight you die. And your barn full of goods. Who gets it? That's what happens when you fill your barn with self and not God. Ooh. 
Interesting. You see the problem with a self-made man? He worships himself and not God. Remember what I just said. Every gift that you have comes from God's goodness. Amen. You know, this person, the self-made man, look what I've done. Look what I accomplished with my own strength. Look what I accomplished with my hands. Look what I accomplished with my mind, my creativity. Never, ever giving the glory to God for where that came from. Never recognizing that those gifts came from God's goodness and sharing that glory back to their Heavenly Father. Very, very dangerous. Listen, to be ungrateful to God's goodness in your life only leads to death and destruction. Always. Listen, he, he warns us this in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 7. It says, What do you have that God hasn't given you? And if all you have is from God, why act as though you are so great as though you accomplished it all on your own? Ooh, that's good. That's good. Don't forget who you are, what you have, what you accomplished. All of that comes from God's goodness because he's a good God. Everybody say, God is good. That's right, all the time. (laughs) Come on, there you go. Now, number two, and I find this one quite interesting, but it's very true. The second thing that people have a tendency to do when they lose sight of the fact that God is good is they stop asking God for help. They start feeling like, what's the use? You know, what's the use? But remember, God wants to help you, all right? And remember, it's a two-way street. You've got to be communicating with him. What does scripture say? It says he wants you to ask. And if you study that out in the New Testament, he tells us that 20 times in the New Testament, to ask him, ask him, communicate with him, ask, ask. All right, I remember when Michelle and I were in Oklahoma going through Bible college. You know, we, we went out there, we were, we were in a situation where we were well off, some of you know the story. We got out there, made some dumb choices, had to deal with some consequences. Long story short, we were broke. We were broke, all right? We hadn't been out to eat in probably two months, and we were literally buying slabs of bologna like this and loaf of bread. And that's what we ate. Thank God the kids were so little. Ham's like, I don't remember that. I thought that was steak. No, it wasn't, son. I'm I'm sorry to tell you. It wasn't. So we were buying the bologna, and I mean, we were slicing it, dicing it, chopping it, frying it, any way you could imagine. But, you know, we had a choice to make. We were either going to quit quit and go back to work somewhere to, and try to rebuild up some money or we were going to stay where God put us and press in and finish to step in the perfect will of God that he had for us. So we were determined we were not going to quit because we were not going to be defeated. Were we not? And so we did. But we were laying in bed one night. And sometimes that was our only peaceful time when you had three young ones running around. And the kids were already in bed, and we were joking around. We were like, what do you, you know, because we were hungry. Oh, gosh, we were like, I can still remember that. We were like, I was like, because we were talking about food, you know. We were like giggling and talking about food. And I was like, I want a steak. I want one of Pop's steaks, you know. Anybody that knows her dad, he's, he's a but, he used to be a butcher, and he knows how to pick the filet, and he knows exactly how to slice it, season it, and cook it. It's just like melts in your mouth. I mean, that's what I wanted. And, you know, and, and Michelle being the good mom, she's like, well, I want a salad. And I'm like, what? A salad? She's like, I want a bowl of fruit and a salad. And I'm like, so we're laughing and we're like, well, we're going to pray for that. And I'm like, God, I want a steak. And she says, well, God, I want a salad. I want some fruit and I want a salad. And I'm like, okay, you enjoy your salad. I'm getting a steak and an ice cream. And we're laughing. And it's not just a few minutes go by, I promise. It's about 1030 at night and the doorbell rings. And that's very strange. 
So I go to the door, and I'm looking out the window, and there's nobody there, but there's a box on our stoop. And uh, I'll never forget this. We opened the door, and the box was completely full of, I mean, I can't even remember what all was in it. It was any kind of fruit, uh, vegetables. I mean, do you remember? I mean, it was just loaded. I mean, a big box. I mean, it's this big, just full of vegetables. She got her salad, and she got her fruit just like that. You see, God was showing himself true to us. Listen, we put ourselves in that situation. We were dealing with the consequences, and he was reminding us, hey, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you. Don't lose sight of the fact that where you are is kind of bad right now, but I'm going to be with you. I got your back. I'm going to stay with you. I'm I'm never going to leave you. And I'm going to walk you through this, and we did. We got through it, and we walked out, and we finally made it over the hump. And look back on that, and it's a testimony to be. Amen? But listen, ask him. Ask him. And it goes back to that relationship. You need to know what's happening in your life so you know what to ask. Listen, you can't live your life just, I'm just going to work. Talk to God once a week. I'm just going to work. I don't need to pray. He knows what I need. He'll take care of it. You can't do that. It's a two-way street, okay? It's a two-way You need to know what's happening in your life so you know how to address him in your prayers. Amen. And you need to be very specific about it, even for the little things. Don't over, that's why I say write it down. Because when you write things down, you can put things in front of you that you don't even realize were there. But write it down. All right? So always remember, when you, when you begin to forget God's goodness, your prayers begin to become weak. They do. And meaningless. Watered down. Why is that? It's because there's no true asking being done. Okay? And true asking comes from when you're, you're intimate with your Heavenly Father. You've got to be close enough to Him that, that, that you just pour it all out, kind of like your best friend. All right? And you just let that. That's when true asking is coming. And He knows your heart. He knows where you are. Are you truly asking Him? Huh? Come on. And listen, the only way you're going to learn to trust God more is asking Him in prayer and allowing Him and seeing Him work in your life. Amen. And that's how I can stand here before you and preach this because I can't tell you how many times that we've asked and he has provided big, small, everything. And not every, not always in my timing. All right, you got to understand it's not always in our time. It can be in his timing. But see, I can tell you that because he's met our needs thousands of times. Thousands of times. And every single time he does, I grow closer to him. My trust and my faith in him grows stronger. Amen? So, know how to pray and ask him. Ask him. Now look, and I'm going to just say this really quick. Don't treat God like a vending machine, okay? Prayer in, expect the answer out, okay? Understand that sometimes when we pray, sometimes he says yes. Sometimes we get the immediate answer and it's like, yes, thank you, Father. All right, sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says patiently wait. All right, and this is where we struggle so often, myself included. Come on, we live in a technology age where you can get anything you want, bam, now. I mean, you can be in Africa and you can just download anything. You know, there was a time where that wouldn't even happen. It wouldn't even happen. Amen. You know, I think about we're planning, a, we're hopefully planning a trip to Colorado to go camping in the Rockies with uh, uh, the Beasleys here and some other people. And, 
And Anna just really wants to go before she goes off to college. And she's like, Dad, are we going? Are we going? Are we going? I'm like, slow down. Breathe. We got to iron some things out. And I'm telling her, patiently wait. What is she doing? She's learning to trust me and patiently wait. In my time, and I'm going to tell her yes or no. And then we'll either go or we won't. Well, same concept. We need to learn to do that with God. And understand. And we talked a little bit about this last week. I'll understand. We have to be willing to completely let go. Take our hands off and our control out and completely trust God and let Him and understand that He's going to see us through it. Amen. Glory to God. Well, number three, the third thing that people have a tendency to do when they begin to lose sight of God's goodness is they stop trusting God in difficult times. Amen? Stop trusting Him in difficult times. Look, I don't care how good a prayer you are. Sometimes times are going to be tough. Okay, I wish it was the case. But sometimes it's going to be tough. All right, and Paul tells us this. He tells us that difficult times will come. But God's got a plan for you, okay? What you have a tendency to do when times get tough is you have a tendency to go back to lean into your own understanding. What are you doing? You're pressing back to what you can control. Goes back to what I just talked about. All right, we've got to learn to let it go. Learn to stand in faith. Learn to trust your Heavenly Father. Amen? Very, very important. Psalm 16 says, Protect me, God, because I trust in you. You are my Lord, my good everything I have comes from you. Glory to God. Romans 5, 3 says, We can have joy even in troubles because we know that these troubles are good for us, producing patience and character and hope. Glory to God. Glory to God. So, number four. The fourth thing that people have a tendency to do when they lose sight of the fact that God is good is they become pessimistic about the future. They begin to only see the negative. Oh, it's so bad that all I'm going to see is only something bad for me. Amen? Basically, they lose hope because hope is based in God's goodness. Amen? And David said this in Psalm 27, 13. It said, I would have despaired unless I had believed that I see the goodnesses of the Lord in the land of the living. Instead, I thought, wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. Amen. When was the last time that you prayed for something? It can be something big. And you didn't see it manifest very quickly. And then you had a tendency to to say, well... Gosh, I guess it's not going to happen. If it's going to happen, I'm going to have to get out there and just make it happen. All right? Let me tell you, that's very, sometimes that's very dangerous. Very dangerous. Very, very... Think about a big purchase. Think about, you know, I've been, I'm, I'm, I'm driving a van that we bought in 2006, and it's a good van, not complaining about the van. It's got close to 300,000 miles on it now. But I'm believing God for a new vehicle. All right? But I'm going about it correctly. I've been praying about it for a year now. Some people can't do that for a year. They want a car. They just go sign the line. And now they got a payment for six years. And you got to understand, debt is a tool that the enemy uses to keep people from stepping in the perfect will of, their, will of God for their life. Amen? And he's mastered it. He's mastered it. Let me give you an example. I had a friend of mine when I was at Ramah. I'll never forget this. And he was a doctor. And, but his heart was medical missions. And and he, he, when he came out of high school, he went straight into college and straight into college and worked straight through and got his, his medical degree. And, and when he graduated, he had so much debt 
So much debt. He told me, Bruce said, he said, I'll be 45 before I pay this debt off. And when he talked about the Philippines, that's where he felt called to go, it just oozed out his ears. I mean, he just oozed out of him. You could tell that was where God wanted him to be. But you see, he, and I asked him, I said, Bruce, what would you have done different? He said, well, he said, if I had this to do over again, knowing what I know now, I would have prayed about this. And I would have taken the avenue that God wanted me to take. He said, because I went into this thing because society and all my friends said, when you graduated high school, you go straight to college. So that's what I did. So the only way I could do it was take on these debts, take on these student loans. So what is the enemy doing here? He's got him. He's starting to drive a wedge in there. He said, so I just kept taking on the loans, taking on the loans. Yes, I got my degree, but now that wedge is in there. I can't go on the mission field because no mission organization can afford to pay me what I need to pay to take care of this debt that I took on. Amen. But he said, I would have prayed about it. Maybe God would have told me to start at a, at a different school. Maybe he would have told me to do it in seasons to where something, he could have put me in a position to where I could have paid for my degree rather than graduating and having to spend 20 years or 15 years of his life paying for that debt. Amen? You see how the enemy works now? Now the enemy's like, good, I got him. I don't know. I got 15 years. I don't have to worry about dealing with him. He may get over there then or he may lose sight of it altogether. But I got him. I don't have to battle him anymore. He can't go. He's financially bound. All right? Very, very, very important. All right? And I can't. Let me tell you another really quick story because I see this a lot in, mar- in relationships or marriages. We had a young girl in. Uh, she, her name was Amanda, not you, but she was, uh, she was 26, and she, uh, she was single. All her friends were married. All her friends were married. All her friends, a couple of them had kids, but she had a heart for China. And you could tell, same situation, you knew that she was going to end up in China one day. Well, we were in first year of, of school, Bible college, and she was in there, and she was sharing her heart to a lot of people and but you could tell when she talked she was lonely she wanted a relationship she wanted to be married she would quickly say she wanted to be married so what did she do and she was praying about this but she wasn't patiently waiting so what she ended up doing was she ended up going out and latching on to a young man in town he wasn't in the bible school and he was a handsome young man and she was a a, a beautiful young lady and but she latched on to him and we we talked and uh, amongst a group of friends, and we're like, well, how is he? You know, tell us about him. Are you praying this out? I think I am. You know, well, she's not, if she's saying that, she's not praying it out. But she latched on to him because he was showing her affection, and he was talking commitment talk to her. Understand, that's what she wanted to hear, because she wanted to be married, because her friends said was married. All her friends were telling her, you got to be married. You can't be 30 and not be married. So she goes out, and she tries to make this happen. She latches on to him. And I asked her about it one day. I said, how are things going? And she said, well, he, he drinks a little more than I like, and he gets a little mean sometimes. I'm like, well, don't you think that's a red flag? Well, I think it'll be okay, she said. Long story short, she, ne- she made it through the first year and never came back. She stayed in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. I saw her before we left. And before we left, a few years later, she had a child. All right, he had left her. And she was working at a local department store. So now, guess what? The enemy's got her. There's no China. You see, had she patiently waited, and let me tell you, it was so strong in her to be in China. She knew it. She researched it. It was just coming out of her when she talked. 
And had she patiently waited on God. See, he had a plan for her. He had a plan for her. She could have went on, went through Bible college, got her missions degree, went over there, started a work, and allowed God to put the right person with her. Come on. The right person that would allow that mission work to flourish, to explode, and prosper, and put so much positive things in her life. But no, she chose to not wait and make it happen on her own. Very dangerous. Patience is key, folks. It is key. Okay? key. I didn't mean to get off on that, but listen, don't get in a hurry, all right? The majority of our problems as human beings is the simple fact that we have the inability to delay gratification, amen? We want it, and we want it right now. Want it, we want it right now, amen? So many problems come from that, so many times. All right, so God's goodness all right, what are the ways that God shows his goodness? And I want to take a look at the 23rd Psalm. And some of you are like, what? I hear that at funerals. And you're right. You do hear it at a lot of funerals. And you, some of you have memorized it. It's one of the most popular psalms. Some of you probably memorized it in vacation Bible school. But did you know that that psalm actually speaks of God's goodness? It does. Let's, let's look at that. Psalms 23. Look at verse 1. Because God is good. Remember, that's what we're talking about. Verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd and I will lack nothing. So number 1. Because God is good, He will meet all my needs if I trust Him. Provision. Alright? So number 2. Look at verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures and He leads me beside quiet waters. Number two, he will teach me to relax when I'm stressed out. We talked about that last week. Amen? Rest. So number three, because God is good, he will replenish my strength when I'm empty. Restoration. Look at verse three, the first part of that. It says he restores my soul. And number four, look at the second part of verse three. It said he guides me in right paths for his name's sake. So because God is good, he will guide me when you're confused or indecisive. Guidance. Number five, let's look at verse four. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. So because God is good, he will walk with me in dark and and fearful days. Confidence. He gives you the confidence. All right? Number six, look at the second part of verse four. It says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So because he's good, he will protect me when I'm insecure. Comfort, protection. Number seven, look at verse five. You prepare a banquet for me in front of all my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Number seven, he will show his favor when I'm attacked. Favor. Number eight, look at first part of verse six. It says, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. Because he's good, he will be good to me no matter what happens. No matter what you go through. No matter what struggles come across your path. Abundance. And number nine, I love this. We talked about it Wednesday night. Verse, second part of verse six says, And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So he, because he's good, he will take me to heaven one day. Inheritance. Glory to God, that great and glorious inheritance that's there waiting on us. Amen. Glory to God. That's fantastic. Fantastic. And remember what Jesus said in John 10. 10. 
My purpose is to give life in all its fullness. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Amen. So this week I want you to go. And I've got to give you a little homework. Not very hard. Some of you are probably already doing this. But I want you to take the time. And really do this, folks. Take the time to write down what God has done from you to this point. Just some things. You don't have to go all the way back. You can go as far as you want. But write it down, small and big. You know, what is he, it can be things that he's given you. It can be situations that he's brought you through. But write it down. And I want you to intentionally, intentionally now, come on, do this. Take the time to thank him for that. And thank him with the heart and with the expectation of seeing his goodness in your life from here on forward. Amen. Very important. Very important to do this. You know, if you got that, if you got that right relationship cultivated up with Jesus Christ and you're spending time with him daily in the word and in prayer and you're just talking to him, you know, you're probably already doing this. But if you're not, I want to encourage you to do it. And listen, if you're sitting out there and you're thinking, man, that's just crazy. I can't talk to God. People are going to think I'm weird. Number one, don't you worry about what people think. Number two, you get in your quiet time or while you're driving. And listen, if you don't know how to pray, you just talk to God. You just talk to him like he's your best friend. Come on, that's what he wants. He developed, he created us to commune with him. All right, he created us for fellowship. Amen. And also, I want to encourage you, read Psalm 23. But don't read it with the idea of thinking of the funeral. Read it with the attitude that you're going to see his goodness there. Read it so you can remind yourself. All right? Read it. I can encourage you to memorize it. It's not a lot. Very easy. Most of you probably already have it memorized from, from Vacation Bible School. Amen. Well, glory to God. I hope you got something out of that. I hope that was good for you. And um, so let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this day. And I thank you that everybody, for everybody that's here. Father, you're a good, good father. You are a good, good father. Glory be to your name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Praise your holy name. Glory be. Father, as we stand here today, I sense that there's people that are losing sight of the fact that how that you are a good father. They're struggling with issues. They're struggling with pain. They're struggling with attacks. And Father, I pray that you show up in their life and you show them that you're with them, that you've got their back, that you're never going to leave them. You show them that you're going to see them through this to the end and encourage them. Send them to the right place. And Father, I pray for favor in each and every person's life in this room. Favor, nothing but the best, Lord. You open doors that need to be opened and close the doors that need to be closed. And Father, as they go forth, I pray that that as you start moving in these people's lives, as you start opening doors, closing doors, and providing and where it needs to be, provision needs to be given, Lord. I pray that as this happens, I pray that their faith will grow stronger in you. Their love will grow stronger in you. And Father, I pray that you stir up that hunger in their hearts. Their hunger in their hearts so that, so that they can't go. They can't go a day without communing and talking and speaking and loving and praying with you, Father. Create a fire inside of them that's so strong, Father, that nothing, nothing, I mean nothing, can put it out. Nothing. And nothing can 